a lot of my favorite fathers in the world, my dad's not here, but a lot of my favorite fathers in the world are in this room. And uh, happy Father's Day. And uh, I hope all of you guys find some of these great men who are in this congregation in this room today and, and, and uh, shake their hand and, and tell them thanks after the service. Um, how are you all doing? In his book, uh, His Name is Jesus, Max Lucado writes this. When Jesus entered public life, he was about 33 years old. In order to enter public life, you have to leave private life. In order for Jesus to change the world, he had to say goodbye to this world. He had to give Mary a kiss, have a final meal in the kitchen, a final walk through the streets. Did he ascend one of the hills of Nazareth and think of the day he would ascend the hill near Jerusalem? He knew what was going to happen. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. Every ounce of suffering had been scripted. It just fell to him to, pay the part, to play the part. Not that he had to. Nazareth was a cozy town. Why not build a carpentry business, keep his identity a secret, return in the era of guillotines or electric chairs and pass on the cross? To be forced to die is one thing, but to willingly take up your cross is something else. The day he left Nazareth is the day he declared his devotion for you and me. This morning, we're going to look at Jesus' first stop in that journey, an event so important that it's addressed in all four Gospels. It was the day that Jesus first declared his tenacious love for you and me. Or as Max Lucado says, the day Jesus entered the Jordan River, a carpenter, and exited a Messiah. The day Jesus's the day Jesus was baptized, his life was never the same. I'm going to be sharing a lot today from uh, the Bible translation called The Message because I feel it presents scripture you may have heard many times in kind of a new or different way. Uh, it did that way to me. But, um, and you're going to see that version uh, on the screen this morning. And, but please follow along in the, in the translation of your choice. But, but do follow along um, because I, I hope that you find it is very lovely scripture. And I have to pass along... Uh, one learning from the first service too that my wife brought to me, my attention. Um, in my younger days when I first started teaching, nervousness or if I'm very excited about a piece of scripture, I, I tend to yell really loud. And in the first service where I'm right on the people, I guess I got a little, a little, a little Aussie on them. Um, so um, it's, I'll try to pull it back, but I had to write, do not yell, do not yell, all the way through this. Um, but anyway, it, it is lovely scripture, and it's just exciting uh, to study it. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. The good news of Jesus Christ, the message begins here, following the, following the letter, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Watch closely. I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wild, preaching a baptism of life change that leads to forgiveness of sin. People thronged to him from Judea and Jerusalem, and as they confessed their sins, were baptized by him in the Jordan River into a changed life. John wore a camel hair habit tied at the waist with a leather belt. He ate locusts and wild field honey. As he preached, he said, the real action comes next. The star in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. 
His baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. At this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The moment he came out of the water, he saw the sky split open and God's Spirit, looking like a dove, come down on him along with the Spirit of voice. You are my Son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. Or in the words of the NIV translation, a voice comes from heaven and says, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This ends the reading from God's holy word. Let's pray together before we have our message this morning. Holy Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fine men here this morning and for their dedication to their families. We thank you for all our fathers, wherever they may be. Even more, we thank you for your love that allows us to address you as Father and honor you as our Holy Father this day and every day. We're so grateful. We thank you for this church and for the incredible staff we have here. We thank you for bringing our high school students and our youth leaders back safely from California. We ask you to bring one more precious group here from California as well as we await the Fitzpatricks and for Thomas, Becca, Bailey, and Cassia to make their home here with us and for Thomas to lead us as our new pastor. Father, prepare them. Prepare us. Father, we give you this day. We lift up the lives we'll celebrate later this morning in baptism. And Father, we celebrate this morning as we look at the hope, the promise, and the reality of lives forever changed through you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Now our scripture for this morning says in verses 4 through 6 that the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to see this wild man, this man named John, baptizing people in the wilderness. This great, the great uh, first century historian Josephus estimates that as many as 300,000 people heard John the Baptist preach. For a comparison of what a, 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 an audience the size of 300,000 would look like, try to picture what Las Vegas looks like on New Year's or the number of tourists who will flow into uh, the host city for the Super Bowl, not just for the game itself, but for the, super, the, 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 the city and the experience that hosts the Super Bowl. 300,000 people, it's a lot. And Nelson's Bible commentary points out that it was no easy matter to go into the desert, especially for city dwellers. 300,000 people were not making a major uh, pilgrimage to a city or a major city. This was the wilderness. No McDonald's, no Walmart, and only one or two Starbucks. And, and it was estimated that John was probably doing all of these baptisms in the barren desert in the lower Jordan River Valley and hills to the west of the Dead Sea. The closest point of the Jordan River to Jerusalem was 20 miles. 300,000 people making a pilgrimage 20 miles each way to see the wild man they'd heard so much about. And, and what was this man like? First, it said he wore clothing made of camel's hair, a fur coat in the desert. And it says he, he had a leather belt, but heck with the weather, leather belt. You better have been packing some deodorant and a bunch of lotion to be wearing a fur coat in the, in the desert. And two, both Mar uh, Matthew and Mark explained that John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey. While the commentaries I read explained that people living in the desert did not hesitate to eat insects, and the laws of Leviticus said that locusts were among the clean foods that could be eaten. Come on, locusts. And 
what would you eat before you'd eat a locust? And what would you eat it with to try and get one of those things down? And, and a whole lot of honey might be okay, but, but what else could you try? These are some other real food dishes featuring locusts. You got chocolate-covered locusts. How about a locust pizza? Try ordering one of those at California Pizza Kitchen. And locust kebabs. Got locust fajitas. And locusts on a bed of lettuce if you're counting calories. Regardless of how you serve them up, a swarm of locusts is and was to be feared. Remember locusts in the eighth plague that God sends on the Egyptians through Moses. Remember the devastation brought about by locusts in the book of Joel. By comparison, John ate locusts for breakfast. That dude was a stud. And um, even though John the Baptist and his lunch must have been quite a, quite a sight, what made 300,000 people, more than the number of people for the Super Bowl, walk 20 miles to see this dude? It wasn't to see his clothing or to cop a slice of locust pizza. What would you walk 20 miles into the wilderness to see? By comparison, for distance, the distance between, from here to Invesco Field is 20 miles plus about a half mile more. That's what we're talking about in terms of distance. Would you walk 20 miles in the wilderness to watch a Bronco game? I like that. Would you... <laughs> Would you walk 20 miles in the wilderness to see your favorite band? What would you walk at 20 miles in the wilderness to see? It'd have to be quite a show, though, wouldn't it? This man, this wild man, was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And even though baptizing, baptism wasn't specifically mentioned in the Old Testament, ritual washing was not anything new. What was the big deal? What made all these people go? Well, Jesus tells us, tells us himself what made these people journey so far into the wilderness. In Luke chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus asked the people later in his ministry, what did you expect when you went out to see John in the wild, Jesus asked. A, wild, a weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A sheik in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness, not by a long shot. What then? A messenger from God? That's right, a messenger. Probably the greatest messenger you'll ever hear. He is the messenger Malachi announced. 300,000 people walked 20 miles into the wilderness to see a messenger. A messenger they'd been waiting for for 400 years. On this day, that 400 years of waiting ended, and the world and the Messiah were never the same. 400 years earlier, in the old, last book of the Old Testament, the last time God had spoken to the people through a messenger, through a prophet, God promised in Malachi chapter, one, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, I will send a messenger who will prepare the way before me. 400 years earlier, God warned the people in Malachi chapter 1, verse 10, that he was angry about the quality of their worship and the state of their hearts. Don't yell. He said, why doesn't one of you just shut the temple doors and lock them? Then none of you can get in and play at religion with this silly, empty-headed worship. I'm not pleased. The God of the angel armies is not pleased. Remember this scripture. Look at it. Because it's going to be smoking in a few minutes, all right? 400 years earlier, even though he wasn't pleased, God promised in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, I'm sending Elijah the prophet to clear the way for the big day of God, the decisive judgment day. 
He will convince parents to look after their children and children to look up to their parents. If they refuse, I'll come and put the land under a curse. 400 years earlier, God promised in the book of Malachi that Elijah the prophet would come. What did the people know about Elijah at the time? 600 years earlier, in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, Elijah was described as shaggy and wearing a leather belt. By comparison, how was the wild man of the wilderness, John the Baptist, dressed again? It's cool. It's just cool. 700 years before this day in the Jordan River, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3, prophesies, thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival, make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. Remember this scripture too for just a moment because it's going to be smoking, right? It's going to be good. After more than 400 years of waiting and watching for these events, the wait was over and the world would never be the same. In the Gospel of John concerning that day at the Jordan River, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, the Pharisees' journey, like all the others, out to the wilderness to check this John the Baptist guy out, this wild man of the wilderness who was baptizing all the people. And the Pharisees asked, are you the Messiah, they asked John the Baptist? The wild man said, no. Are you Elijah? The wild man said no again. Are you a prophet? The wild man said no a third time. Finally, things reach such a fevered pitch, and the Jewish leaders become frustrated. In John chapter 1, verse 22, and they say, who then? We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something, anything about yourself. And the wild man answers in verse 23 with those same words prophesied 700 years earlier in Isaiah. He tells the Pharisees, I'm thunder in the desert. Make the road straight for God and I'm doing what the prophet Isaiah preached. John the Baptist's answer to the question, who are you, was the prophecy from 700 years earlier. Smoking. Why was the world never the same after this day? After 400 years, God is speaking to the world again through a prophet. And two, the wild man's baptism was not the same, the typical ritual washing, something to be done over and over again to make oneself spiritually clean. It was a one-time call for repentance for one very special and one unique reason, because the kingdom of heaven was near, more near, in fact, than anyone at the time realized. In Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, we read, at this time, right then, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And, and can I tell you something? This is my favorite part of this scripture. Such a lovely Savior. For all the hundreds of years of built-up and waiting for a Messiah, the mighty king who would come and make things right, how does Jesus begin his ministry? He gets in line with the rest of the people to be baptized. The Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, gets in line with the rest of us. I, I told you to remember this earlier. Remember in Malachi chapter 1, verse 10, God is angry with his people and says, why doesn't one of you just shut the temple doors and lock them? Then none of you can get in and play at this religion with your silly, empty-headed worship. I'm not pleased. The God of the angel armies is not pleased. But on that day in the Jordan, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are together in one scene in Mark chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, where we read, the moment he came out of the water, he saw the sky split open and God's Spirit looking like a dove come down on him, along with the Spirit of voice. You are my son, 
chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. Again, or in the words of the, the NIV translation, a voice comes from heaven and says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. When Jesus is baptized, he is declaring that John the Baptist's message is true. He is declaring who, that he is who he is for the first time to the people he came to save. He is taking his place among them, among us. He is saying for the first time in his earthly ministry that he's here for them. He's here for us. He didn't need to repent. He didn't need to be baptized. He was without sin. We're not. By getting in line with the rest of us, he's declaring at the very beginning of his ministry that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and the bearer of our sins, first step towards the cross in his public ministry is when he stepped in the river. An Australian New Testament scholar, Leon Morris, said it this way. Jesus might well have been up there in front standing with John and calling on sinners to repent. Instead, he was down there with the sinners, affirming his solidarity with them, making himself one with them in the process of the salvation that he would in due course accomplish. On this day, when Jesus steps into the Jordan, his perfect life is never the same. And because he did, we have the hope, we have the promise that our lives can be changed too, only in a different way through him. In fact, this morning, we have a group of people who wish to come before you in baptism and declare that their lives have been changed by their relationship with the Messiah. Everything you're about to see is just dripping with the message of change. In, in fact, did you know that the word baptism itself it is just bathed in the, the word of change, in the message of change? Chuck Swindoll in his book, Three Cheers for the Church, points out that the word baptizo, from which the word baptism is derived, is actually a fuller's term, uh, the dry cleaner of ancient days. A fuller was like a dry cleaner of, of the, the ancient days. When this craftsman took a white garment and dipped it into a scarlet dye, he was said to have baptized the garment. The white garment's identity was changed. Baptizo was the term used when he changed the garment's identity. So you see, even the word baptism itself means change, means never the same. The central theme in John the Baptist's ministry was repent for the kingdom of heaven was near. When Jesus first begins to preach in Matthew 4, verse 17, his message is the same, repent. That's a similar message that, does, that the disciples carry when Jesus sends them forth in Matthew chapter 10. To repent is more than just admitting past mistakes or being sorry for sin. The true meaning of the word repent is a complete change of mind, a turning from sin and a turning towards God. Repentance is a moral and spiritual revolution. Perfect, no. Completed, not even close. But never the same? Absolutely. Absolutely. Author and pastor Mark Driscoll calls baptism an outward sign of an inward relationship entered into with God. I believe in it wholeheartedly, says Billy Graham about baptism, who says that baptism is a conclusive act of obedience and witness to the world that we are Christ. And Rick Warren says that baptism publicly announces to the world that I am not ashamed to be part of God's family. Rick Warren says that being included in God's family is the highest honor, the greatest privilege you can ever receive. Nothing else even comes close. 
And those hopeful, encouraging comments that, that I just read lead us to what we're about to observe. A group of people who have been moved this morning to come forward in baptism, standing before you to proudly assert that they are now part of God's family and that they and their lives belong to Christ. Let's pray real quick as they prepare to be baptized. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the example of your son and his baptism. Thank you for the lives we're about to see and the hope that they may be forever and wonderfully changed through you. It's in his holy name, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brian. West Bowles, good morning. Well, nine people are about to take the step of baptism. Let that set for a minute. Nine people are about to be baptized. And I don't know, I just think that's, that's cause to be encouraged this morning. Because anytime you see somebody take this step, this step of expressing outwardly, as Brian had mentioned, expressing outwardly what Jesus has done inwardly, well, that should be a reminder. It should be a reminder that the church is still alive and well. That the example Jesus set by being baptized himself is still alive and well. That that great commission he gave his disciples 2,000 years ago to go and make disciples, it's alive and well. And so as you watch as these nine people be baptized, if you've been baptized, well, I'd ask that you be reminded of your own baptism and what Jesus has done in your heart. And then celebrate in your heart with them. If you haven't been baptized, celebrate with them. And then consider the step for yourself. Because Jesus wants to use you to encourage his church. And Jesus wants to use you to build his church. So with that being said, West Bulls, you ready? All right. Will you tell everybody your name? Colton Nadelborg. Colton Nadelborg. And do you have anything you want to say? No. All right. Well, Colton, <laughs> it's easy. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes. All right. Go ahead and plug your nose. I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You want to give everybody your name? Sam Nadelborg. Sam Nadelborg. And do you have anything you want to say? No. All right. Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes. All right. Go ahead and plug your nose. Sam, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Give everybody your name. Um, Rachel Dumba. And do you have anything you want to say, Rachel? Um, yes. Okay. Um, um, well, um, in all these years I've been going to this church, 
I have really learned about um, God and that I can trust him in everything I do. And so that's why I'm being baptized today, because I believe in God and I trust in him. All right, Rachel, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes. Okay, go ahead and plug your nose. Rachel, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Congrats, Tell everybody your name. Michael Blind. <laughs> and Michael, do you have anything you want to say? Um, hi, Mom. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> Michael, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. And do you believe he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes, I do. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Mm-hmm. Michael, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, will you go ahead and tell everybody your name? Emma Bland. All right, and Emma, do you have anything you want to share? I'm just excited to be the, a part of the family of Christ. All right. All right. Emma, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes. Go ahead and plug your nose. Emma, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we've got four more, and they've each asked for someone special from their lives to baptize them. So I'll get out of the way. Would you like to tell everybody your name? Caitlin Bland. And do you have anything you want to say today? No. Okay. Caitlin, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And do you want to follow him with all your heart for the rest of your days? Yes. Caitlin, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Would you like to tell everybody your name? Madison Jernigan. And Madison, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yes. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's helped me um, and guided me through the, the Savior in our Christ. In our Christ. And Madison, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And would, would you like to follow him with all your heart for the rest of your days? Yes. Madison, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you like to tell everyone your name? Taylor Jernigan. Is there anything you would like to say? No. Okay. I'll just say that this is my daughter, Taylor, and we're so proud of her. Um, I was honored to be asked to do this, yet a little terrified. And um, she has an incredible heart, and she will be an incredible servant to Jesus. She wishes that in everything. Okay. Taylor, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you want to follow him all of your days? Yes. Do you believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven? Yes. Then I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm Leslie Castaneda. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And I chose Frank to baptize me today because he has been my rock and all of my help in my path towards Jesus. Okay. Do you accept uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Uh, do you accept? Uh, do you believe that He died and rose again for your <laughs> died for your sins and rose again for you? I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A uh, couple quick, uh, just a couple things to add in closing. As quickly as Jesus came onto the scene at the start of his ministry and was baptized, we read in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, that as soon as his baptism was completed, and as soon as he returned from the Jordan, Jesus, it, it, the, the scripture says, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. The, the people who were just baptized uh, face a similar challenge. 
Although we looked at the concept of lives forever changed uh, this morning, these people are going forward full of the Holy Spirit into the same wilderness that we all live in. In a moment, we're going to close in prayer for them. When we're done, after service, will you consider seeking out some of the people who were baptized, congratulate them, and, and encourage them in the, in the journey that they're, they're beginning? Um, but, but please do that. And uh, I hope you'll also even more continue to lift them up in prayer. Uh, this is an exciting day for them and, and for all of us together. Uh, let's close in prayer and then you'll be excused, okay? So this will be our, our closing benediction. Father, we thank you for the great commission you give us as a church to make disciples, to baptize them in your name, your son's name, and in your spirit, and to collectively learn to observe and obey your commands. Father, we see the greatness of that commission in the example of your son. We see the greatness of that commission in the lives of the wonderful people who were baptized here this morning. Gracious Father, thank you for moving in their lives and for bringing them here today to be baptized. We celebrate their lives forever changed. We pray you'd guide us as we join with these people, our friends, these wonderful people, to observe your commands and to faithfully follow you. We give you this day our Sabbath as Father's Day. We love you, Father. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.